Hey guys, don't forget to check out the Street Cop Training Conference April 23rd through the 28th, 2023 at the Gaylord Opryland Resort and Convention Center. It's going to be a great experience. Five career-changing days. Some of the most profound speakers in the industry. Guest speakers include Rob O'Neill, the guy who killed Bin Laden, Kyle Carpenter, the youngest living Congressional Medal of Honor winner, Fox News host Tommy Lahren, Navy SEAL American war hero Jason Redman, Sheriff David Clark, Sheriff Mark Lamb, and Sheriff Wayne Ivey. You'll also spend time with all of our Street Cop instructors at this event Monday through Friday. We'll have a great lineup of courses in addition to our great speakers. It will be a week that you will not forget. You'll be thankful you came. You don't want to miss out. Check out streetcop.com on how to register. If you're going to use the room code, make sure you book it from Sunday through Friday. That's what the code's good for, and it's about half the price of the regular rate. But those rooms are running out, so make sure you sign up now. We'll see you there. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benino, and I have with me today the OG, original, not the first instructor ever, <laughs> uh, besides me at the company. You're number two, but uh, you know, it's, it's appropriate. I, I, I lived with that feeling, though, that I was number one for the longest time. I mean, you, you technically had to were, my dude. Dreams, can, uh, I, can I just say something like you technically were, but like you technically weren't, because right. the other guy just taught my material. Uh, because uh, there was something going on at the time, just a ton of bullshit. I need somebody to teach a certain portion of my class, and uh, he came forward, and unfortunately didn't work out. But yeah, you were the one who came uh, with the original, your own content, ready to do work. And I remember I that conversation. I, better, but. I remember seeing you, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Like, I, I know you look familiar. I think when I ran into you at the uh, at that conference, I don't want to say it. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. give that conference any fucking credit. because <laughs> yeah, fuck those guys, know, right? But like, um. You know, uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, I know that fucking guy, right? And then I asked TJ, I was like, I was like, I'm going to get more instructors to work with the company. He's like, why don't you call Brad Gilmore? So here we are. I'm honored. The secret's revealed. He happens to be in the studio today. I said, let's rip a podcast for 30 minutes, which we're going to do. It's going to be a 30 minute banger. Do it. Brad Gilmore. Brad, if you don't know who Brad is, Brad will tell you who he is. Tell us about your history and just leave out your agency name. Sure. Small cop, small town cop, 2011, uh, where I worked for seven years uh, in the process of working there. I uh, was able to stumble upon some reputable seizures, which I guess uh, to say humbly, I kind of got my name out there, which is probably how Dan heard about me. Um, and then ultimately was hired in 2017 to work uh, for another agency in the state of New Jersey. I uh, currently work uh, interdiction, working interdiction on the highways um, in the area of the George Washington Bridge. When you say that, I think about when I first started teaching interdiction in this state and some people who had really cautioned me yeah. about teaching interdiction. Like, you know, it's a, you got to watch that topic that you, to, that you teach. I'm like, the topic that I'm teaching cops to go out and catch criminals. Yeah. Like, it's such a wild thing that people are afraid of this topic. Uh, they don't want criminals committing crimes on our highways to be disturbed. And, you know, somebody's like, well, I'd never teach interdiction. Then another guy called me and said, you know, you're going to an area that's, uh, the state doesn't like it. I said, how, how is it possible? How do we serve our people in this state appropriately by denying police officers the ability to go out and stop crimes before, during, and after they happen? It's wild. That's one of the reasons why a lot of these agencies or uh, units, they, they make an acronym. Nobody wants to use the term interdiction. You want to call it proactive policing. You want to call it uh, the best squad. You want to call it- uh, Crime know, suppression. Yeah, the, the, sell the same thing. Yeah. But when you talk about interdiction, it's it's frowned upon, and that word is frowned upon. And, and truth be told, 
the guys that I work with, the four of us, are the only front lines in the interdiction world in the entire state of New Jersey. You think about all the agencies and all the cops out there on the highways and the roadways. 33,000. Not one other agency has a group such as that that I'm working on now. Four yeah. guys in the entire state of New Jersey. It's just crazy. Where are we, where are we gonna end up in 10, 15 years when we talk about proactive policing? Well, I think a lot of people are out there proactive policing as individual officers. I, uh, I so as a unit, yeah, I agree. So, yeah. But there's a lot of guys out there doing some real good work. So. You know, I mean, look, look at Ferrero. I mean, he's a one-man unit out yeah. there. Um, he's a one-man team, that guy. He's a one-man team. Yeah. He's a fucking killer. He's so he's out there knocking some stuff down. And I know people spread throughout the state. They're doing some good work. And people are trying. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just find it interesting. If, if you're not a police officer who is out and actively trying to stop crime on the roadways, which is where we patrol, right? I don't know where else you would want us to go. We have patrol cars. Right. We're on the road. We're supposed to be law enforcement. Finding... In my opinion, what I should think we should be finding is higher-end criminals. Um, and when we talk about prioritizing an impact to society, that's that's what I'm talking about here. And I, I often say in our training programs, I'm like, so interdiction, this, this key phrase that means police officers who go out and try to stop crime. If you're not an interdiction officer, what kind of police officer are you? You know, if you really right. think about it, that's – unfortunately, it has been collectively decided that it'll attach this negative conotone – um, that these small groups like ourselves in the subculture of law enforcement, we we love it. You know, like that's that's like that's what describes who we are. We're proud of the proactive few that go out and do the work that we talk about doing. It doesn't mean we're not here for everybody. We want everybody to learn, but it really tickles our fancy when somebody subscribes to what we believe in and wants to join the good fight. I don't know what people sign up to be cops, though. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that everybody um, starts this profession feeling the same way I did. I mean, I just wanted to play handcuffs on people and bring bad people to justice. Bad right? guys. People, bad guys. So why do you want to be a cop if that's not what you're tending to do, if that's not your priority of you, you know? Yeah, Rizzo famously said, he's like, I never understood a cop who didn't want to arrest bad guys. Yeah, why be a cop? And what happens is you start into this romantic story that your coworkers at muster and roll call will start saying, well, it's not work that I got to end up a person, blah, 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 yeah. Well, right. So if you have poor leadership, bad administration, sure. I, I understand a little bit of that, but dude, every day, thousands and thousands of police officers go out into the field and do proactive work. Thousands, thousands, not 10, not 28, thousands of cops in this country go out and try to do a good job every single day. Do I think a far majority go out and are proactive? No. I would suspect somewhere in the ballpark of 5 to 10% of police officers go out and actually know and attempt to do proactive work in the sense of criminal apprehension. Right. Uh, there are other styles of police work, quote unquote. But for me, as a top priority of law enforcement is law enforcement. Okay. And then if you really understand how to have significant impact, we're targeting the highest levels that we can to reduce low-level crime. That's kind of how it works. And believe me, I'm not not hip to the idea that, do I think we're stopping the drug trade? No. But there has to be some kind of continued consequence or fear of law enforcement in the game of illegal activity. You have to have fear of the police. We're watching New York now. Nobody's scared of the cops. It's just, they're just running wild. It's LA, nobody's scared, of the, nobody's scared of the cops. Nope. And look what's happened. It's, com it's complete chaos. I'm going to tell you right now, we'll never stop the drug trade, but the efforts of the team are 100% deterring it for sure. 
I, mean, I talk to Mike Vaccaro all the time, Rob Ferreira, uh, Rios, and we talk about how people are avoiding the George Washington Bridge because they have heard of the individuals sitting out there that are really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. So they'll decide to drive an hour and a half in the complete opposite direction just to avoid four guys at the George Washington Bridge. So we'll never stop it, but we can deter it. We talk about the auto, auto the New Jersey State Police Auto Theft Task Force. Are they ever going to stop cars and automobiles being stolen? No. They're constantly chasing people up and down Interstate 95 and, 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 uh, and apprehending individuals stealing cars. Never going to change. When they arrest one, one other pops up. But it needs to, it needs to be a priority um, in order to be a deterrent. You know, it's interesting even about that. Those guys are doing a great job, and people don't realize that cars are being stolen with the intention of being used in other crimes. Yeah. Um, it's it's very interesting that I know for a fact that people have lost their lives in more urban environments, and for some odd reason, the news doesn't seem to publicize that. Uh, yet, a at some point, a reaction to pursuits was, we're not doing them anymore, and then we saw what happened. It got nuts. Criminals and bad guys knew the cops weren't pursuing, and it got insane. And they had to bring every chief and every prosecutor down to Trenton and say, "You better switch it back. We need you can't we can't we can't function like this." Yeah. And I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Corey Rodriguez. Uh, Corey Rodriguez, if you guys don't know, he's an instructor with street cop training. He teaches auto theft. Uh, auto theft. And yeah. I had to call him the other day. On, uh, and he gave me some information. Um, I can't really talk about the case, but what I can say is Corey is a true genius and expert in this field. He is unbelievable in recognizing stolen cars. Um, he gave yeah. me, yeah, he gave me some advice and, and, you know, you think, I think what trap world is sophisticated, but when you talk about, uh, VIN numbers and other, and other things on, on vehicles, um, that could alert that be, car being stolen. Corey is an absolute genius and, uh, I got to give him credit. Do you have any messages we received back from people who attended core training? Yeah. From people who even just follow our Instagram posts and our Facebook stuff and are like, I've recovered stolen cars because of the things you guys put up. I've literally found the misplacement of stickers. Yeah. I don't even know the stuff, right? I'm not even, I don't teach it. I'm not working anymore like that. Uh, so I don't need to look at it, but my job is to find the people who have the information we all need to know and to share their brain with the world. That's what the whole fucking thing's about. So- you know, I, I I'm strong. I don't. I want to say my stuff is opinion based. It really isn't. I can emphasize my points based on fact, factual data and hypothesis uh, that are basically, without sounding crazy, scientific. Uh, you know, I can prove to you that I, even from just a, a survey of people, that how do you think we're having more impact? The twelve and the nine year old that were rescued from being human traffic slaves and, and kidnapping victims uh, a couple of years ago, or Pete, who's on his late, who's late to work at eight fifty-seven in the morning, and he's Russian, right? Right. Like, I'd rather see you spending your time trying, to, if, if nothing else, just trying to find human trafficking victims. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Forfeit the tickets. A human life is worth more, and people say, "Oh, spade carols." Really? Because I got to tell you, I drive the turnpike almost every single day, and people pass me doing 95, 98, 99 miles an hour. I'm not saying it isn't a factor. In it, but they're not stopping that either, right? But there's not like constant fatalities every single day. I'm not downplaying that. Yeah, obviously, speed has a relevance in in people losing lives, but so does like a lot of things, dude. Yeah, right. Like massacres. Do you think one of these people who's going to commit one of these major atrocities isn't going to have some kind of reactions by the police when they pass by them? But you're you're too busy playing laser tag with yep. bumpers. Take your heads right? out of the phone and. and- Start paying attention to just behavior. Tell me about the tell me about the, the, the eleven lives you could have saved if you had your eyes yeah. open, instead of worrying about 
it's just, it's wild. And you know, we've talked about this before. If you have the audacity to say you want to be a police officer, which is great, um, how dare you show up and not give a shit, yeah. knowing that people's lives are on the line, just at least have your eyes open and be curious and be, and, and that's just, that's me. You know, I was talking about phones. I was riding with somebody for nine months, uh, training them. Um, and the first thing that I told them when they got into my car was this could be your biggest resource or this could be your biggest downfall. This could be your biggest flaw. If we want to use our cell phone uh, to contact another agency or, or use it for work-related purposes uh, to gather intelligence on a particular individual or on a traffic stop, great. But if we're going to sit there at the park or on our phone, burying our faces on social media or whatever platform we feel necessary, it's just going to take your time, your eyes off the roadway, um, and it's going to kill you. It's going to hurt you. When I worked back in my smaller agency uh, where I began a being a cop, I would take this phone, I put it right in my patrol bag. And I remember my fiance, who's now my wife, would yell at me. Oh, you know, I, don't, I can't get in touch with you. I text you. I called you. Like when I'm working, I'm working an eight hour shift. I'll talk to you before I go into shift and when I come out. I agree. Do not call me. Do not text me unless it's an emergency. If it's an emergency, you know the, the police department's number. Give him a call, talk to my sergeant, he'll call me on the road. I would never touch my phone for personal reasons. And, uh, you you didn't ride doubles what we did where I worked. You'd have guys who were like talking to chicks. They'd be on that phone. I'm I'm two man unit, right? I this like my motherfuckers don't even put their phones down the whole time. Texting, texting. You, you texting. were their chauffeur driver. Oh, it's it, ridiculous. I was by myself. Yeah, I was by myself. It was ridiculous. You know, it's so funny. You said that your phone was in your patrol bag. I think we talked about this before, but <clears throat> did you originally put your phone in your phone bag, or did you learn that lesson that we all learn when you put your phone in your visor for the first time? If you're I, new and you I haven't put it. your phone in your visor yet. What's that, the black hole? Did it fall in the black hole? No, no, dude. Like, people don't realize this because when you have to pull out as a cop, you're going to slam the, the gas. you got to pull out quickly. If your phone's in your visor. Smack in the face. Right in the fucking face, dude. <laughs> and I've done it more than once. It never right? happened, no. You never did it? No. Dude, it will no. fucking break your teeth out of your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, and it's, I bring it up in class. Sometimes people are like, never, yeah, we've I've all done it. That, yeah, go put it in your sense. fucking car and you leave here. <laughs> I'm good. I'll and hit the phone and, and punch it and go out. That thing slides right out of the fucking visor right into your face. <laughs> That's funny. The black hole is funny, <laughs> dude. Hole. Yeah, that you boxy, yeah. You reach your hand in there. Oh, my God, what is that? Oh, dude, like Put that's the worst out? thing to have to stick your hand down. Dude, police cars are some of the nastiest vehicles on the road. You have no fucking yeah. clue. Well, they have rubber mats, so it's all rubber lined on the inside, which it has to be. Uh, but, dude, it just gets – they don't – like. Police cars don't get detailed. Right. They just go to basic bullshit car washes. Yeah. They vacuum out real quick. And uh, dude, they just after a while just it's vile. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in there. No, just dude. some crazy things. And, and everybody works with some savages, dude. You know what I mean? Like they're <laughs> fucking savages. It's true. Usually it was the midnight guys that are worst. Yeah. So tell us about your classes coming up now. And you can't name locations because it's gonna be a timeless right. podcast, but and it'll be around for a while. People are looking it up. This is 2022. What's today's date? The 29th? 29th. November 29th. Your, your boy turned 41 two days ago. Oh, that's crazy. I know. I, I feel like fucking a million dollars. My friends are getting older and I'm staying the same age. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about wrinkles before. You know? I, just yeah, want, no. I just want to point out that I'm uh, about six years your senior. and uh, <laughs> You look I, good. Very good yeah, skin. I like yeah, that. I know. I keep, I keep it very consistent. I have a routine. I've talked it's, about this before. That's Cetaphil. I can tell. It is Cetaphil. Yeah, yeah, I know it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's a, brick, a brickle charcoal wash. We should have them as sponsor too as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm teaching. Uh, my classes are filling up for 2023. Uh, my class uh, completely changed since 2021. Um, I'm going to say that uh, even the beginning half of 2022, it's completely different since then. Uh, what I try to do is in case I go back a repeat area um, and I 
I tend to get uh, some repeat students, some, some repeat cops coming in and, and see if they can pick up something else. I want to make sure that they have a different experience that I'm showing different videos that I'm staying up to date in trends and hitting compartments. Um, and I'm doing more in-depth discussion and videos on deceptive behaviors, what to look for when speaking with people, what's the uh, behavior um, and how is that associated to criminality uh, and, and really how to ask your particular questions on your roadside interview. Uh, one thing I, I, I don't think I've discussed with you before, but a, a common trend, uh, I guess it's always been a common trend, but those involved in drug trafficking, those involved in criminality often want to have the, the opportunity to use and exercise the plausible deniability, right? Everybody wants to be able to say that. I didn't know it was there. It's not my car, right? Not my pants. I don't know if somebody put that there, right? We hear, we hear that all the time. Um, so how are they able to do that? What's some of the behavior associated with that? And the questions that you need to ask to disprove that plausible deniability. And when you recognize these trends and when you recognize this concept, it's very easy to, to discredit that plausible deniability and prove them wrong. Um, so my questions are based around building that nexus, uh, showing the jury and everybody else that's going to watch your traffic stop video. This individual knew that trap was in the car because this car is that, that driver's, right? This individual, individual knew that trap was loaded with money and kilos and guns because it's their car, right? And, and this is why or how I know it, it is their car. And you're going to show the responses to your questions. Um, and, and everybody, you know, everybody watches these CSI shows and these law enforcement shows, law and order. Everybody always wants to play their own detective. You don't need to be a cop to recognize deceptive behavior, right? So, so when you're showing that video to a jury, and they're watching it and you're asking the individual, you have any cocaine in the car? No. You have any heroin in the car? No. You have any large amounts of currency in the car over $10,000? No. You have a gun in the car? Uh, I, no, uh, no, 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 not, not that I know of. I don't think so. Everyone on the jury panel is going to be able to look at that and say, look at that guy's answer. What did the cop find? He found a gun underneath the seat. He found a gun in the dashboard. He found a gun in the trap in the trunk. Look at his response. Look at his behavior. He 100% knew it was there, right? So you don't need to be cop to recognize deceptive behavior, but we need to be able to ask these questions um, in the most beneficial way to increase, um, I guess, the outcome of our case, right? To allow these jury, jurors to, to recognize to substantiate that. evidence. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that that's the first half of my class. And then ultimately- um, my trap trend has changed. It's funny because I was about to take out some of the older traps, uh, that I've had in my, in my presentation since 2015. And, uh, I hadn't seen one of these traps in, in a couple of years and I was about to take it out. So, you know, this trend has changed. I'm going to take this particular trap in this vehicle out. And then what happens, uh, two weeks after I have that thought, I hit the same exact trap. And so I decided to keep it in there because we know that history repeats itself. Right? There might be a popular trend in putting a, a, a trap in a car in a particular location, and that might be popular for two years. And trap builders and drug traffickers recognize that cops are becoming more educated in that particular location, and, and uh, they're getting intercepted more and apprehended more, and those spots are, are being founded more. So they're going to switch up their placement. They're going to switch up their location. Uh, but then ultimately, it's all going to come full circle. Um, really, what I want people to walk away with is, is to be able to lay their head down at night and tell themselves, you know what? Right person, wrong time. It just wasn't there today. And we can be the best interdiction officer in the world. We can go to all the classes and talk about behaviors and behaviors and what to look for in vehicle selection. But if you don't know how to search a car, what's that going to get you? You're going to walk away from a lot of traffic stops saying, 
What did I miss? Where was it? Couldn't find it. Um, and so one of the things I touched on earlier with the, with the girls is how do you start? It's very easy. Practice. Everybody has their own car. I don't understand why we'll get a, I'll get a text message or a response after class. Hey, I got a 2012 Ford Escape. Where do I search? Where's the common hide? You know, how do I check the concealment or the, the voids in the dashboard? What panels do I pop off? How do I do that? Is it going to break? And I'm left dumbfounded because we all have a car. You know, how did I get to where I am? I, I was a mediocre at everything. Mediocre at sports, mediocre at school. Don't kid yourself. You still are. Still mediocre. <laughs> but I'm great at finding things. I'm great at being an interdiction officer. I'm great at detecting traps. And, and how did I get that way? Not just by simply watching stuff on social media. Um, yeah, it, it definitely helped that I went to a ton of classes. But you know what helped? Searching my own stinking car on my driveway. And I would go out there and I would search my car and I would, as crazy as it sounds, but I would have games with my fiance. I would have games with my friends. Yo man, take this golf ball sized of white powder in this plastic bag, go hide it anywhere in that car. Guarantee I'm going to find it. And they would spend 30, 40 minutes trying to hide that golf ball sized bag of powder inside my car. And I would go out there and time me 10 minutes. If I don't find it, I owe you dinner. I would go out there and I'd find it. And it got me really good at figuring out what moldings to pop off, how to put them back, how not to break things. Um, I'd like to think that I never miss anything now, but I guess I'll never know until, until, <laughs> yeah, until I know. Like, yeah, I mean, it happens. What are you going to do? You like, know? I tell people at the end of my career, I still like would fuck up. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, like, like eight minutes later, I'm like, yep, I missed it. I don't know how I missed it. I had a good car. I, I, I got talked out of it. And I just off my game that day. What are you going to do? Like, you know, I had other things in my mind at the time. I remember the last one that I missed, and the guy, I, I look back on it, like he got over on me. I don't think it was anything substantial, but, you know, he just brought up his work the whole time on the whole traffic stuff. I just, I can think, I can hear it in my head, and I just let him go. It just all had to do with work. Nothing had to do with the traffic stuff. Just work, 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 work. And, you know, I mean, anybody starts bringing up work on a traffic stop, in, especially in that kind of, not like, now I'm coming from work, I'm headed home. That's a whole different story than like, no, I worked an overtime shift last night. Like I'm going there again. Like I, I've, I have to go back home, then wake up, then go to work again. I've been working there for like two years and did it. And I'm like, you know, like eight minutes later, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Right. And it, it was all there. I mean, I selected yeah. the car for a reason. Right. It's not like I just picked the car to the blue and he was, this is all a combination of things. I'm not saying that just because somebody's talking about work. It's just an indicator that we see commonly with people who are engaged in criminal activity. They try to make themselves seem like a good guy, innocent. I work, I'm a hardworking guy, leave me alone. Um, it's interesting, you were talking about spending a lot of time in other classes, and I, we're not here to talk about any classes that you don't want to talk about. You can, you can certainly promote. What I'd suggest that you do is not promote every single class you've been to, but the ones that you uh, find yourselves this time in your career to be happy with the relationship with those people and and found it to be some of the most profound training you took. But also, people ask me a lot about, like, you know, what classes should I take next? They're not going to pay. And I tell everybody the same thing. Look, everybody at this company is an instructor. There's not one instructor here who didn't spend a lot of time on personal development. And what I mean by that is not like sitting home and lighting candles and trying to get in touch with yourself. I'm saying, <laughs> these are, everybody here is an instructor, spent, their own time, their own money to go out and get the training to fulfill who they wanted to be. So can you touch on that a little bit of some of the things you've done in your career? 
And then I have two more things before we finish today. So I was hired in 2011 as a cop, and I remember very vividly in 2012 a particular traffic stop. Prior to this traffic stop, I had been to um, Mike Lewis. He's a current sheriff of Wacomico County, Maryland. He teaches complete traffic stops, um, teaches just set the behaviors and kind of just the the overwhelming generic uh, you know criminal stop that you're gonna that you're going to make and what to look for. Um, I saw Mike Connor, very good buddy of mine now. And, um, he, he taught me, uh, a ton of things that still, uh, resonate deeply with me. Uh, I've been to TJ Collins class who teaches trap find. Um, but at that particular time in my career, I knew a lot about, well, comparatively speaking, not much at all compared to what I know now, but the basis of my classes were in the narcotic related field and, and tented, um, focus on the behavior, right, of, of criminals. And so in 2012, I had a traffic stop. I remember flashing back to all my classes and saying, this, just like you just said, this is here, it's here. Everything that we learned about is here. This is the stop. But I had no experiences in education on how to search cars. And I searched that car. And I actually remember I was hugging my partner, my backup officer at the time before I even searched the car, thinking that this is gonna be the reputable seizure I've been waiting for. And I searched the car and I can't find anything. Uh, and when we clear the traffic stop, I'm left literally scratching my head and I go to my partner. I said, or my partner goes to me, he goes, yo, what did you see in the dashboard area? And I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I pried back the radio face. I saw some screws that were missing, uh, a whole bunch of toolings. Things just didn't look right. But you know, at the time I really had no idea what I was looking at. He goes, yeah, when you were in the front passenger seat and you were kind of maneuvering and manipulating that, that radio, they were bugging out. I was like, well, this information would have been useful about three hours ago. Why you wait until I clear the traffic stop? So lo and behold, several hours later, I learned that I missed nine kilos of heroin behind that in a dashboard compartment. Damn. That changed my career. That was literally the turning point of, I I can't deal with this feeling anymore because knowing, right? I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have known. Knowing that I actually missed something in that traffic stop, when I knew it was there, I just couldn't find it, made me recognize that I don't want to ever live with this feeling again. I don't want to ever live with not knowing how to do something, right? I have the ability to go out there and and teach myself, educate myself, and make sure that I can leave this traffic stop being confident. And that's when I started to attend training on on how to search cars. Again, Mike Connor, TJ, uh, uh, TJ Cullen with Trap Find, he's ultimately my boss now. And, and uh, I'll never forget where I came from, man. They really got me to where I am today. You had that stuff, and I'm sure you could tell the story now you've been gone long enough, but I know that your tenacity in the face of adversity at your agency was something that kind of uh, helped you to get to where you are now, which is in a reputable position. But uh, I, I often think about a story that you told me about being called into your captain's office <laughs> and being told you're not the DEA. Can you tell us that yeah. story? Yeah, so are you allowed to tell that story? Yeah, so I remember uh, my first one, November first, two thousand thirteen. That was my first trap. Uh, I was, you know, hugging, hugging that contraband in the booking. Thinking, What'd you find? It was one kilo of coke. Yeah, and I thought the drug trade was over. I'm like, oh, we got El Capo, guys. <laughs> wrap, wrap it up. It's a wrap. You know, thinking that I'm gonna Escobar's get- going down. <laughs> that's, that's it. Fucking so uh, the other guy, Joaquin Guzman. So El Chapo's over. You know, I literally thought I made the biggest impression and difference in the United States of America for hitting one kilo. I was so ignorant at the time, um, but it just showed my my eagerness and excitement towards it, which which hasn't faded at all. Hasn't faded one bit. Uh, still as excited today when I find it. But I think that first time. Uh, it was more of the concept of every blind squirrel finds a nut, right? So it was kind of like a freebie. Nothing was really said to me, no pat in the back, no attaboy or good job, um, except from my one sergeant that was working the shift that night. He was really excited for me. 
But in regards to the, the brass and the superior officers, it, nothing, no acknowledgement. Well, two weeks later happened to be another one. And uh, I forget exactly what it was, uh, but in the next four months, I would hit eight traps in an agency where that never existed. And I would hit eight traps. And so by number two and three and four, which were, which were about two weeks apart from each other, I would start getting called up in the captain's office. Um, and so my traffic stops at the time were the only time I could work, which was between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Um, and so I would make a stop around 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3.30, and ultimately get called up in the captain's office when he came in at six o'clock in the morning. He would find out and learn about what happened, what I did and what I found. And he would call me up from his office down to the booking area. I'd get the phone call, ring, ring, hello. Hey, Brad, captain up my office. And I'd go up there. And, and every single time I went up there, it kind of went like this. Hey, Brad, we're not the DEA. We're not the state police. We're not your own anti-crime unit, all right? This is not what we do. Uh, our main concern is, is the safety and the well-being of our residents here. I uh, don't care what comes through this town as long as it doesn't stop in this town. Wow. And I heard it over and over and over. And I thought, you know what? It's just a kilo. And the next one, you know, it's just two kilos or just three kilos. You know, maybe if I hit money, maybe if I hit the trifecta, the conversation is going to go a little bit differently. But then it got to a point where you hit $305,000 in a rear floor compartment. And, you know, thinking that this is going to change the game, his response is going to be different. And to hear the same response and hear, I would much rather you make one DWI arrest <laughs> versus all of these bullshit drug arrests. Wow. You know, and, uh, and that's what I heard. And, and I quickly learned that or remembered it's not, I chose to do this, not because of other people. I chose to do this because this is what I wanted to do. I chose to do this because this is what's in my heart. This is what I believe I'm, I'm called to do. Uh, not because of what a captain thinks of me or, or, or what he thinks I should do or how he thinks one DWI is more important or how he doesn't care what comes through this town and what drives through this town as long as it doesn't stop in this town because it doesn't directly affect the residents of this town. I, I stopped caring, just like you say all the time, stopped caring about what people thought and I continued to do what was right. When I, what I've learned is um, he's a great guy, terrible leader at the time. Uh, and I, I can't fault him for, he just had different priorities. And unfortunately, in our profession, a lot of superior officers have different priorities. Doesn't mean that they're right or wrong. It's just not, it's not one of my priorities. And I can't be mad at him for, for not relating to me. I wish maybe things were set a little bit differently. I wish I had a little bit more support, maybe different opportunities. Um, but ultimately I can't be mad at anything that happened because look at where I am today. Uh -huh. And I think that, you know, things happen to us, um, because it's part of a bigger picture. Well, that's the end of it, but I appreciate you being here, dude. We have to roll into our next podcast today. Brad happened to come by and was filming a lot of content for some of his new search videos. You check him out on our Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Street Cop Training. Thanks for Brad's classes uh, can be found at streetcop.com. Good shit. And uh, two years of great things together uh, through thick and thin, good times and bad. Uh, we are doing a lot of great things for the world, and I appreciate you being along this uh, journey. Happy to be here for the ride. Thanks for having me, Dan. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher. So you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe 
at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong, and at the maximum, going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.